Welcome to We Are The Protectors. I'm Andy Johnson. And in this series of podcasts, I chat with some of the BT security team to learn more about their role and more about the role that BT plays in keeping the nation safe. In this episode, I'm joined by Tris Morgan, BT's Director of Security Advisory Services, to discuss trends and challenges across the security landscape, what keeps him awake at night, and what BT is doing differently to help keep us all safe. So, Tris, let's start with that then. What does keep you awake at night? Well, Andy, in answer, quite a lot keeps me awake at night. And you've only got to look at the breadth of the cyber landscape and the increased sophistication of cyber actors on all of our customers. You've got to look at the massive increase in technology change from all of our partners and key suppliers. And what keeps me awake at night is how I can keep BT and our customers safe whilst also helping them to securely transform and make the best use of current technology. So give us an idea of what your role actually entails then. So my role is is fairly broad. It's all about helping our customers achieve safe and secure growth and transformation in a really ever increasingly sophisticated and dangerous cyber environment. And I do that through leadership of my global team, a team of security advisors who work closely with clients to really understand what threats they're facing, all aspects of their business, their strategy, their network, and then provide advice to them on all aspects of their digital transformations. And we do this by bringing... That's a big team, isn't it? It's 300 people across the globe? It's about 300, 350 people at any any given point from uh, advisors providing expertise on connectivity through to cloud, even my advanced red teaming team. And your background, of course, you've worked um, both with startups in Silicon Valley and you've got 17 years experience in global security, haven't you? Tell us a bit about that. Yes. So it's been fascinating over those 17 years to see how my work with both governments and also with multinationals to see how initially their requirements were quite separate, but really how the technology landscape and the solutions provided through some of the the fabulous tech companies have really come together and are now very much applicable into both those domains. But, you know, you talk about the 17 years and in that time, I've worked across into research teams, I worked in, in areas around government and also into the multinationals. And what's been staggering is, particularly in the last couple of years, how the pace of technology change in both the consumer and enterprise space has really driven significant advances for all of those customers. I mean, you've been with BT for 13 years. So as you just hinted then, I mean, the changes within that time have been absolutely beyond belief, haven't they? They have indeed. Um, it's, it's hard to quantify what we've seen. Everything from the uh, increases in transmission speed, so massive and greater use of fibre, not just to commercial premises, but also to the home, has really enabled much greater use of gaming and other online platforms. Massive uptake in the use of cloud for all degrees of services. And the recent times have only increased the reliance on the the hyperscalers. And for the first time ever, what I've seen there is buying or renting uh, computing power from cloud providers is relatively cheap rather than having to invest millions of pounds in your own infrastructure. The increased, and this is one of my parts of my background, increased and ever increasing use of artificial intelligence and machine learning around automation and really to do more advanced, particularly in the cyber domain, threat hunting. 
And then, of course, because you have a around. you have a very um, sorry to interrupt. You have a very Im- impressive um, degree, I must say, a BSc honours in computer science with artificial intelligence. Now, that sounds not only massively impressive to me, but also massively geeky. Is that fair? Yes, geeky is probably one way of putting it. So my, my background <laughs> and what I was trying to do at university uh, is is produce what we now uh, come to love and adore at home, the very Alexa or Siri. So we were trying to do uh, speech recognition so that you could you know, phone up a, uh, an organization and request things without having to speak to a human. And whilst we proved it was achievable technically, we really struggled with processing power. And that was part of the reason so why... So you're I the person BT. to blame for that, are you? Uh, I wouldn't say to blame for it. I'm one of the people who helped that, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I joined BT to try and uh, further what we were doing in that area. And I suppose it's an impossible question, but really looking at those 13 years as a whole, what do you think has been the most important advance in all that time? Uh, I, I think the most important advance across that period um, has been the the pace of computer processing power that has enabled these services, which were normally only the privilege of one or two organisations with very deep pockets, potentially any government, to be made available to the general public. And we continue to see that trend provided, again, as I mentioned, through high-speed links of fibre to the premises and to the home, indeed through other cloud services. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast, Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. Now, of course, BT's range of services and solutions has expanded enormously as, as digital and technical changes have, 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 have rocketed on. But it is a very crowded marketplace. So how does the business remain relevant and also ahead of the opposition? We are, we're very fortunate in BT that we have a very long history of research and innovation and BT invests over half a billion a year in research. So that gives us a really strong position to, to lead the market in terms of thought leadership in security, but actually across every aspect of the solutions our customers w- w- need from us. So if you think about BT's customers, consumer, so people at home buying their broadband, we, we serve our enterprise customers, businesses in the UK, as well as multinationals and governments. And with that really broad aperture and the significant wealth across all of those areas backed up by our research, it means not only are we able to provide and do stuff for our customers, but actually we tend to lead the market in terms of the trends, the thought leadership behind it. And then lastly, it's about bringing together loads of point solutions, some from other third parties, some from ourselves, into something that really works for a customer. So they haven't got to do it themselves. We're using that around our insight around threat intelligence that we see from our massive global network to drive a differentiated experience, but also ensuring that our customers are safe and secure and don't just have the latest technology, they have the latest technology with the right insight and it's deployed in a way that will give them maximum security. I'm wondering, does your approach differ depending on who the customer is and how big the risk is? I mean, for example, you've talked about advising governments, which must be an enormously uh, fascinating, but also quite stressful part of your job, as opposed to maybe a smaller Absolutely. business. I mean, do do the approaches vary completely? So, at the heart of it, organisations they have their workforce. You have your online services, and you have typically areas where you're looking to develop capability. And in that in that sense, they're actually quite similar. What is very different when you're engaging with governments or multinationals or indeed small businesses is the scale that they need to operate at, and indeed the levels of resiliency. So government, when we work with them, it tends to be looking at national security type uh, subjects. 
when you're working with multinationals, they're talking about how can they continue to work across 160 countries with 100 or 200,000 people using online services with manufacturing. But sometimes small companies, they need the agility. They need to be able to, to pivot very quickly and get stuff to market. So the problems can be quite different, but often the solutions that we need to provide are very similar. It's just a scale and a presence that differs. What's it like advising governments on keeping the nation safe? Uh, it's uh, it's very rewarding. It's very interesting because when you're advising government, what you also start to realise is it's not just about the technology. You've got to start thinking about the geopolitical impacts, regional alliances, uh, existing legacy technology, but also their willingness to invest significantly in beta and early stage research and development to advance what they're doing is absolutely there. And of course, the coronavirus has changed all our lives across the world. I wonder how the pandemic has changed your outlook and what you do. It's It's been a very busy time the last uh, number of months with corona. The early periods were about how we, particularly in our advisory business, were helping organisations move to a position from a handful of percent, maybe 10% remote working to 90, 95, 99% remote working. And what we were saying to customers at the time is, you've absolutely got to do that and do it very quickly within a matter of days, but don't do it at any cost. We've still got to make sure that we're doing it in a safe and secure way. And that was the key learning for the first uh, week or so. Then as we moved on and the dust started to settle, we've been equally busy now ensuring that the, the mass migration to cloud, moving contact centers remotely, moving development teams remotely, making sure that those are resilient, they're safe, secure, and even looking into the supply chain to make sure that suppliers working for companies like BT and our customers have also got the same measures in place, the same methodologies, that they haven't had to do it at any cost as well. And I see that really continuing into the future, which is the new norm is going to be much more based around remote working, around the hyperscaler and cloud-based services, collaboration tools are standard, and will increasingly be less about being office-based for all activities. Of course, we know that criminals are always looking to exploit weaknesses when it comes to cybersecurity. How much more of a problem has that become when we're operating in this world crisis in the pandemic? It's become a you know, significantly greater threat. All you've got to think about now is you have within a falls in a house, you have CEOs, Exco members through to uh, people working doing application development and and people being homeschooled. And so the, the threat in terms of what could be targeted within a particular premises has gone up. So really what we've seen is in three areas. We've seen a big uptick in phishing and phishing attacks, trying to spill credentials, malicious domains, and indeed into ransomware. And across all of those, what we need is we need people who are ultimately one of the most vulnerable points in clicking on links, accidentally thinking this is a, a correct domain when they go onto a website, handing over their own information or logging details for other collaboration tools. We need people to be absolutely vigilant in defending against that because, after all, the human is often one of the weakest points in the security chain. Yeah, it's really important to stress that, isn't it? Because our work habits have changed so much in the current climate that the psychology of how we work as well has probably changed, hasn't it? If we're working from home, it's a different uh, psychology to going out into the office, into the workplace itself, isn't it? And that in itself could be inherently risky. It could, it could indeed. Um, uh, when 
maybe communications that were handled only in meeting rooms are now being handled over collaboration and virtually. The, the, and the work that we have done with some organizations around people taking selfies, for instance, of them working at their computer, always be mindful around what's on your screen when you take that selfie, because it might be that there's some confidential information around a company or around customers. And so you've got to be absolutely vigilant in everything you're doing uh, at home. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. And in terms of your own team, you've obviously got to be thinking about their well-being and how they're operating. Of course, I suppose a huge number of them are now working from home too. They are indeed. So uh, of of my team, pretty much everybody is working uh, remotely. And you raise a really valid point there, Andy, which is what we have seen is uh, a, a significant increase in terms of the working day, a much greater use of, as I mentioned, online meetings and collaborations. And this will often take the place from where previously you'd grab a water cooler moment with somebody for five minutes. Increasingly, you're seeing a 30-minute call go in the diary. So what I've been stressing with my team is, is it's important to make sure you do schedule regular breaks, that you do continue to take holiday. The tendency is, I'm at home, why don't you take, a, take uh, any annual leave? And I'm stressing that it is important to recharge and then uh, you know, come back and be fairly strict around you know, your working day. And in terms of the advisory services, um, how has the advice had to change uh, to, to meet the challenges of what's happening at the moment? And, and do you see those changes continuing when we get out on the other side? So, whereas some more some of the advice that we were providing you know, pre the current crisis was all about you know, aspirational roadmaps and, and how we would help customers over a period of years migrate to uh, greater use of, of of online services. As one customer said to me only you know, two or three weeks ago, we had we achieved more in ten days than we thought we would achieve through our transformation programs in three to four years. What that has said is, actually, for us, the, the advice we had to provide was around not a roadmap, but how we can achieve it today. And how do I see that going forward? It's about continuing to accelerate. And now we've we've proven that we can do and move some of these transmission programs that quickly. Actually, what is stopping other programs within our customers' uh, organizations moving at that kind of pace? Why does it need to take years to achieve that? Why can't it happen quite so quickly? Now, there will, of course, be budgetary constraints that might limit some of that. But what we have done, and one of the benefits from the current situation, is we have, we have proven with our customers that you can move very quickly from one state to a second state in a secure way whilst maintaining productivity. So I'm guessing that um, being able to adapt very quickly and being able to be nimble are key parts of what you do and what your staff and your, your team have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the the challenges that we get faced with on a on a daily and a, and a weekly basis, they never cease to 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 amaze me. And the, the 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 new norm which we're coming into, you're right, will be forever changing. And we're having to stay, you know, right on the crest or slightly ahead of that technology curve, understanding what the customers are needing. And that requires big investments in terms of training, in our people. And understanding around what should our advisory offerings be? What's going to be the next uh, capabilities that customers are going to want to use in cloud? What are going to be their next pressures? And what do we need to do to make sure we have the solutions to provide to help them achieve it? How do you help your staff and yourself and your team and BT to keep that step ahead of the opposition and, and what's coming? 
I, I mentioned earlier around our research and innovation programs, and that's really one of the bedrocks of working in BT. And it's about ensuring that those themes that we anchor, and we have five key research themes, that actually that they are relevant every year to the customers and the, and the problems that our customers are facing. So that's the first area. The second thing with the team is it's about their continuous professional development. So online courses and training courses are one thing, but we need people, and I've tried to instill a culture of curiosity and self-learning within the team because we want to be curious around what does this new technology trend mean? How can it be applied? When a customer comes to a problem, what do they really mean by that problem? What are their business drivers? And then how can we, through our extensive research, our investments in our cyber assessment lab or our portfolio and solutions team, how can we go about knitting together those to provide something that really achieves their needs? I can hear the excitement in your voice when you talk about th- those things. Is that what really, really inspires you to, to do the job that you're doing, looking ahead, seeing what's coming, seeing what the latest trends are? It is. That, that future is very important to me. But equally, uh, and across my career, it's been anchored around working with customers. That's the piece I really get a kick from. When a customer comes to us and says, Tris, I've got a problem. You know, I need to do X. This is where I want to go. How can How can we achieve it? And we work with them to produce not just a... Uh, a roadmap based upon our insight and knowledge of the threat landscape, but equally a plan for how they can achieve it. And they then go on to do that. That for me is immensely satisfying across you know, the government space, across multinationals and in our uh, enterprise and domestic business. So would you say that's the most satisfying part of your, your overall job, working with customers and, and helping them to, to combat any problems they have or to see how they can move their business forward? There's really two things, and they're very parallel, uh, similar, that give me great satisfaction. The first is absolutely that in helping our customers and getting that feedback from them and ultimately repeat business because they know that we are a trusted advisor and they're very pleased with what they get from us. And the second part is, from a team perspective, to see members of my team progress and and over a number of years progress through BT, progress in, in our customer base, to a position where they become you know, very senior, they're talking with authority and, and every year bringing in the graduates and apprentices and seeing them develop very quickly, get a huge amount of satisfaction from that. And what skills uh, and characteristics do you look for in people who want to join your team? Yeah, you've got to be curious. You've got to want to know and continually professionally develop. So a background in in any kind of science or, or technology background is really quite important, but equally wanting and having a desire to work with customers, to understand and take the time to understand and listen to what they're saying, what are their challenges, and work with them collaboratively. That is what's so important for being part of uh, our advisory business and helping to grow what BT is doing in our security uh, business unit. It's interesting you mention that because obviously I suppose we take the, the technical skills as a given. But nowadays, the feeling sometimes is that, that younger people coming through, although they're immensely technically gifted, sometimes they're not as great on what we might call the people skills, which I think people uh, misinterpret as soft skills. They're not soft skills, are they? They're absolutely essential. Yeah, that's essential in the, in the new norm where the, the, the deployment of what we would call point solutions is becoming you know, less and less prolific. It's all about how you knit together a range of solutions to, to take a customer on a journey from where they are to the future. And that only comes by being 
really authentic and actively engaging at all levels in their customers. So both senior and board level, but right down to people who are going to be using the tools, the analysts to see what really matters to them. And that's one of the great things that I've learned in my career is to really understand how these things are going to be used and what really matters to the people on the coalface. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. I wonder how leading a team with so many people working across the globe uh, presents particular challenges to you. I mean, are the challenges that we see here in the UK maybe the same as are being seen, I don't know, in, in Australia or New Zealand? Uh, and how do you deal with knitting that team together and making sure you're all working uh, to the same principles? It's... Uh... You know, it is a continual challenge, and the recent times have certainly shown that, particularly as different parts of the globe come in or out, in or out of lockdown. We, we do see geographical differences in terms of priorities, so particularly with you know, organisations in, in Asia and some of the legislation for doing business across that part of the region isn't necessarily seen so much uh, across into Europe. But broadly, coming back to and anchoring on the, the challenges that our customers face, they're actually fairly similar. And so what we've done is we've standardized on you know, four key offerings in our advisory business that we we take to all customers globally. Uh, but what we I look for, and I have a regional practice lead, so one in UK, one in continental Europe, one in the US, and one in covering all of Asia PAC, to ensure that those are market relevant and that the services that we provide advice on, so around cloud, is very much tailored to that that geography. So particularly in areas of Hong Kong and Singapore, we do a lot of work around Ali Cloud and helping our customers to use that as they're investing in China. Whereas particularly across in the US and in the UK, for instance, with our cloud services, it's very based around Google, AWS, and Microsoft uh, Azure and O365. Now, we talked about the fact that your um, degree was in computer science with artificial intelligence. I wonder whether the, the layperson thinks of artificial intelligence in terms of some kind of Hollywood blockbuster movie. And at the same time, they may be excited, but also slightly concerned about it in terms of how intrusive it might be into their everyday lives. What would you say to that? So I, I view, and, and this, this some people will disagree, some people will agree with me. So artificial intelligence for me is the overarching construct when we're talking about computers becoming smarter and self-automating and helping to reduce the reliance on, on you, or my, you, you or me. What we've seen to date is a lot my personal opinion around machine learning. So show a computer how to do it once and then they can then repeat that. Increasingly, we are seeing more and more about self-learning. So artificial intelligence for me isn't about a point in time where we have achieved it. It's about a continual program where computers and infrastructure become smarter in their protection of us, vision of services to enable us as humans to be able to go on and do even higher value activities. And what about the people who perceive that as a bit of a threat, maybe an intrusion into their lives. They're worried about how much um, people know about what we do and how we do it when it comes to the advances in technology. It's always a very fine balance to to be had, you know, privacy. And on one hand, you would say greater use and bringing together of data enables users to have a richer experience, much more tailored. But equally, the flip side of that is it does mean that Fewer providers know an awful lot more about us. For me, it's about choice. People should have the ability to to opt in or opt out of all this. I'm interested to know as well, when it it comes to the way the world might be when we get out of this pandemic, uh, whether you feel 
uh, home working will continue to be um, emphasised and people may, maybe more people will work from home. And indeed, what role AI will help in advancing how we work from home in the future? Yeah, and, and AI, particularly in cybersecurity, plays a pivotal role to help automate uh, and advance security defences at all levels, from email and what we see on, on our computers right through to the transmission into the cloud infrastructure end-to-end and taking that much greater holistic view for the automatic detection, identification and defeating cyber attacks. And what do you think the next big trend will be that's going to excite people? It's certainly going to excite you, but in terms of influencing how we work and how we operate as a, a global community? It has to be that investment and trend around automation of security defences, as I, as I mentioned a second ago, around the automation around not just identifying threats and cyber attacks, but automatically having networks that can then respond to that without the need for human intervention. That has got to be the next big significant advance. And that isn't going to come overnight, and there are various uh, capabilities that do that to a level. But the point where you have an automatic and self-healing network will be the really the, the next big thing. I wonder what your advice would be, Tris, to someone considering a career in BT security. So my, my advice uh, is quite simple, which is absolutely throw yourself in at it because working in BT security to have such a broad range of customers that we serve, such a huge innovation and thought leadership base to fall back upon, that's something that not many organisations possess. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. We've talked about right at the beginning of the interview, what keeps you awake at night? How on earth do you relax in such a continually changing landscape and make sure that you do take a step back and actually recharge your own batteries? So I'm a, I'm a very keen person in, in the outdoors. I love uh, of cycling. I love running, uh, skiing, even sailing uh, in the summer. So that's really how I unwind. I have two, two young children who certainly keep me busy, but equally, as they get older, are so keen to participate in all of those sports. Uh, we go for, for instance, on a Saturday, a family run uh, uh, as, a, uh, as a way of unwinding. So for me, that's very important to ensure that I have that focus outside of work. Actually, it's very important, isn't it, for everybody, for your teams as well, and for anybody who works at BT, particularly at the moment when life is very stressful and we're going through very, very strange and unprecedented times, that, that your team and the people that work for BT and the public as a whole do find something that gets them away from that stress and that pressure. It is, uh, as I've said, a happy home life is a happy work life. And you, you normally, uh, you, you can't have one without the other. It's something that I've stressed with my team, which is don't be a hero. Ensure that you, you get the time with the family, that you spot those areas of stress. And certainly at the minute, where we've got children, and it's a case in our house, being homeschooled at the minute whilst we work through the the, the, the tail end, hopefully, of this pandemic. And myself, it's How's important. that going? 
Um, it's going okay. I have a massive respect for teachers um, in terms of what they do. I, I definitely, I'm not cut out to be a primary school teacher. I've worked out. Uh, that <laughs> goes, goes, goes without saying. But you know, you know, all credit to to my to my wife who, who's really stepped up and has been absolutely fabulous uh, in doing that with the children. But you know, it is stressful at times um, in doing that, particularly when most of us never thought we would have to sit there and self-educate our kids, not just for a few weeks, but you know, what we now in week eight or week nine. We've established that uh, becoming a primary school teacher will not be your next career move. But I wonder, having spent 13 years at BT, maybe when you're out there on a run, how do you see your future moving forward? How do you see your career progressing? So from a security advisory business perspective, we're still in the early years and there is so much more that we can be doing. You know, cyber is not going to go away overnight. And for me, as we used to be talked about, Andy, cyber threats increase. That just gives me another challenge to adapt to. So on a personal level, I'm just keen to ensure that we continue to focus on those technologies, get increased scale and growth within the team because I still need to bring more people in, particularly in the US and across Asia Pacific, and then continually adapt our services to ensure they are staying staying relevant to our customers. So really, that's what I see as being my key focus. Uh, you know, this is going to be the heart of security, BT security, as we uh, grow and engage with our customers in, you know, in the long term. I wonder how you see, having said that as well, how your role and how what you do will change when we do eventually move out of this global crisis at the moment and how maybe the advice you're giving to your customers may change as a result of going through the pandemic. So... And today we're talking to our customers about how they can ensure their defences are correct and, they, and, and potentially where their policies or anything else have potential vulnerabilities. There is going to come a time where return to office, uh, we don't use the term return to work so much because I think many people have worked well remotely. That will then actually bring it about a whole new set of challenges that we'll be engaging on. But absolutely the long term, the, the, the use of collaboration, cloud and other services that will only continue to increase both from an adversarial point of view, but equally as demand from our customers. We've talked about the fact that actually, unfortunately, people can be the weakest link, can't they, when it comes to cybersecurity with, you know, for, for example, computers being left on or weak passwords. So I wonder in the landscape we're in at the moment, when more and more people, as we say, are obviously home working, what simple advice would you give to people to try and make sure they do keep themselves, their work safe? It's all about being vigilant and about being curious. So, so at the basic level, it's about making sure that you're using strong and separate passwords across the, the websites that you might have accounts with in your email, because any one of these, and particularly email compromise, is a great way for me to go and steal somebody's identity, right? And you don't want to be a victim of that. You've got to look at emails that you receive around phishing. If an email looks too good to be true or looks like it's coming from an organization, but it's asking for payment information, just be vigilant around that. And equally, if you click on a link and it goes into a browser, just make sure that the URL is one that you recognize that it uh, is normally encrypted and is signed by the right authority. That's important. The next thing you can do is around all your computers, make sure they're patched and up to date. You know, the latest software and updates on your phone, on your laptops, everything is automated. So let's make sure that they're where they need to be because cyber criminals often take advantage of out of date and unpatched software. And then if possible, turn on two-factor authentication across any number of services. So from particularly around email. Um, and then 
also around backing up your data. So let's not ensure that all data is stored just on your laptop or on your phone. Make sure it's synced into you know, one of the cloud providers or on a third party device or third device within the household. Those are my kind of top tips for really staying safe uh, at home. Now, I probably rather unkindly described you as a geek earlier on in the in the conversation, but I'm wondering, with your geek head on and with your, your BT head on as well, what excites you and inspires you looking forward to the future? I think we touched on this earlier. It's, it's about the, the pace of technology change. We're in this golden era where, relatively speaking, high-power computers is cheap, and that's really enabling many more services, much more advanced services to be accelerated uh, in their development cycle, whether it be around quantum key distribution, artificial, artificial intelligence, machine learning, greater use of IoT devices. But that's all underpinned for me by the fabulous high-speed transmission and fibre to cabinets and to the home that we have across many parts of the globe. So there isn't really any one particular thing that excites me. It's just the sheer pace of technology change. And whenever I'm engaging across BT with our uh, strategic partners to see what they are able to achieve in very short time in terms of technology developments, across security, across our networks and other areas, it's so exciting at the minute. What positives can you see coming out of this pandemic? I think the, there's a numbers, but the main one is around the human side. It's been something, and somebody mentioned to me the other day, that they have seen lots of really genuine, authentic leadership. And that's around people being uh, very keen to communicate what is going on, not just about a particular subject, but just engaging with the team to make sure that you know, how are they doing, how are they feeling, disseminating key messages, but equally just getting the temperature of what's going on. So I think that's one of the big things that will purvey after this is communication and many organizations have been doing it well for years, but it's really gone to another level. And people are saying that senior leaders and everybody else, how accessible they are and the authenticity of those comms has absolutely been there. Well, look, Tris, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating conversation. Good luck with the, the job and good luck with the homeschooling and the running. And thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much, Andy. Great to speak. You've been listening to We Are The Protectors with me, Andy Johnson. My thanks to Tris Morgan for joining me today. Look out for the next episode when I'll be chatting to BT's Lynn Studd about her role as Director of Global Secure Solutions. If you've been inspired to learn more about security roles at BT, check out the careers website at bt.com forward slash security career. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.